You're listening to the Missouri Realtors Podcast. Join us as we deliver an in-depth analysis of industry news while speaking with industry experts on their successes and failures. Along the way, we'll also share strategies and practices to help you become a more successful realtor. Hello and welcome to the Missouri Realtor Podcast. Today we are going to be diving into navigating appraisals and we just want to have this time today to to go over any changes to the appraisal process and and some of the things that realtors need to know about the appraisal process. So I have two amazing ladies for our guests today. Uh, Brenda, go ahead and kick us off and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Brenda Oliver, and I had the distinct pleasure of being Missouri Realtors president in 2019. Um, I'm still involved with the association and uh, especially enjoyed, enjoyed the meeting in January, the Winter Business Conference meeting, because I attended the appraisal section meeting and I thought we had a really productive day. Um, Andrea asked me to start out with saying, uh, how did I get involved in appraising? Um, I live in a small town. I've been the Kansas City Regional Association, but my community where my office has always been is 5,300 population. And um, in the early 80s, we had at that time kind of an explosion of FHA uh, loans. They, we had some real attractive FHA, nothing down financing available. And as a sales agent, I was so frustrated that we didn't have enough appraisers to get timely reports. So I worked through a local attorney that often asked me to do expert witness testimony for him. And he helped connect me to the right people to start taking some appraisal classes and and become proficient in that. And so I've been doing it as a dual career, selling and appraising since probably about... Uh, uh, well, I said early 80s. I'd say actually 1978 was when wow. I first started. Uh, I became active in the Appraisal Institute. So I'm an old timer. That's amazing. You've got a lot of knowledge. I can't wait to dive into that. All right, Miss Pam. Hey, I'm Pam Long. I'm past president of GSBOR MLS. Um, I got my license, my real estate license when I was 22. And um, I just turned 70, so I've got a little age on me, just a little. And um, <laughs> Knowledge. <laughs> anyway, I um, was married to a builder at that time, and I loved, you know, doing that kind of stuff and, and selling the houses that we built. And uh, uh, about 10 years later, then um, I decided with my kids, and they're so, they were so active every which way, basketball, singing, you know, whatever it could be. And I thought every time that they had something, somebody wanted to see a house or, um, you know, and miss your kids things. And I was just very tired of that. So I went through all the appraisal schools and um, I'd actually had it in college, you know, a little bit too. And it was really interesting. But I just, um, I just felt like that was my niche. It was a great thing for my family. And uh, they were still pretty young, and so I got to do everything with them, and it's so nice. As an appraiser, you can set your own inspection <laughs> at times, and uh, rarely do we work on the weekends, but we do if we have to. But, um, and I, let's see, I got involved with the Missouri appraisal section back when it was first found back in 
I think it was 98 or so, uh, Dave Doring and uh, some other friends that were on that. And um, so I've been the president twice and a secretary once, and then I'm really active in my board. And uh, not a day goes by that I don't make that trip to, <laughs> to Springfield. So yeah. anyway, I just love it. And this has been the probably the best job I could ever do. It just, uh, I love helping people and I love meeting people. So yeah. We, we're so blessed in this industry to have so many opportunities to be able to help people, whether that's in the home buying, selling, investing in real estate process, and, and even in that the appraisal world where not only are you protecting the lenders and their asset, but you're giving the, the buyers peace of mind to know what, what the actual value of a property is. So that's really cool. So I, I bet you would both agree that the the way the appraisal process is is not the way it was when you first got started. So share with us a little bit of you know what has changed and what's going on with appraisals now that realtors and even consumers would want to know about. The Federal Housing Finance Agency has begun sharing collected appraisal information, including names and license numbers, for a wide range of purposes, including quote for fair lending and fair housing research investigation supervision, and enforcement. So expect to see more enforcement actions brought under the, Federal, under the Fair Housing Act against appraisers, especially as the focus on appraisal bias and its effect of minority borrowers comes into force. Um, all of the appraisers that I have interacted with have always been very conscious of, of um, scrutiny from a lot of different layers of um, you know, whether it's a Fannie Mae, um, Veterans Administration, or whoever you're working for, has always uh, had underwriters that really, really held our feet to the line. But this, the new emphasis on um, appraisal bias is taking this all to a whole new another level. Um, and this is something that I think all appraisers are concerned about, about Um and it's something that we're going to have to work through. It's just like every other evolutionary thing in the real estate world in general. Um, once you once you have any hint of uh, inappropriate behavior or or um, functioning in an in a manner that might be criticized, you're going to get overkill on supervision for years. So this is this is the new thing that. I'm very concerned about. Yeah, I can see that the 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 guidelines are are going to be more looked at and and to be able to um, you know set parameters for that. In in some ways, that's a great thing because that may be a portion of of appraisals that you guys are appraising the house and and not the contents and, and the people who live in the house. And and for some appraisers out there, I'm sure that that's a, a training and awareness that they need to be aware of. And you ladies are both amazing professionals. And um, I, I don't see that ever being an issue for you guys, but there may be appraisers out there who need that kind of training and guidance to know what, um, what that looks like. Yeah. Good. Pam, what, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm just thinking from what you just said, um, when we, like Brenda and I started, when we took classes and everything, um, and we learned from 
really a good, I learned from a very good appraiser that had been in it for years and had the biggest company in Springfield. And he taught most all of the good appraisers back then. And then, of course, when you got your certification, then everybody had their own business. But all of us that worked for him, um, we learned so much. And our our businesses grew like crazy because we did it the same way Don Irick did back in the day. And he was quite a good man. And um, we have a really problem right now with people not really having a, a trainer that um, maybe, and I'm not trying to, you know, to be because they're younger, but some of the uh, appraisers have not ever been schooled by the real rules, like FHA, VA, all of that kind of stuff. They know nothing about it. And um, they'll, <laughs> I just got one the other day um, to review and uh, it was horrible. The house, it was an FHA. The floors have been taken up. They were horrible. Um, holes in the wall, which that can be if it's cosmetic, but if it's going to uh, affect your structure, then you need to talk about it. And I've seen so many of this kind of things going on and reviews that they're just playing like it's not even happening. And, uh, you know, they'll probably, they could probably get sued for not. Um, calling for an inspection and, and seeing what's wrong, what is it going to take to fix. And um, so I, I try a lot with my appraisal um, committee that I have here in Springfield. And we've, we've got a lot of young ones, but we are, there's a lot of us older ones in that too. And we try to help them all we can, and it's really making a difference. And um, if I get something I review from them, they're on target now. They are, they're catching things. The windows are broke, you know, whatever it is, you know, um, it just, you need somebody to help you. And that's in my stage, you know, I'm slowing down some or a lot actually, cause I'm too busy at the board, but, um, I just still want to help. And, uh, I get, I give my phone number out to so many of our appraisers. If you don't know what to do, just call me and, and I'll try to see if I can help. So, that's, That's a godsend that, for me. Oh, and it's amazing that you can be a mentor for people and help raise the the level of professionalism. And it's it's the same in in real estate sales. We have to have right. people who are are looking out for us and saying, "Hey, you want to you want to try it this way?" Or, "Hey, maybe look at this." Um, having mentors in our business is is vital. So, what do you guys wish that every realtor knew? about the appraisal process, but you feel like maybe it's a myth that's out there or that people misunderstand about the appraisal process. Brenda, you wanna kick us off? Well, ever since Dodd-Frank raised its ugly head, what's that been maybe <laughs> nine or 10 years ago, I still am met constantly with the comment that the realtor professionals are not allowed to contact the appraisers at all. That was never the case. But it was a misconception that many appraisers who wanted to just duck their head down and not spend the time to communicate with the realtor, real estate professional um, took advantage of. Uh, the, the original rule actually said that, you, that an um, agent could not coerce or demand um, raises or adjustments in value, but that was misconstrued. And so we're still laboring under the impression that um, you can't call your appraiser. 
the appraisal process should be a collaborative effort. It should be all the people that are concerned with the property um, working together to get the best information and correlated in a manner that uh, protects the person who has the exposure on the collateral and also protects a buyer from buying something that's unsafe or unsound, but also moves the market forward. And we've lost that collaborative spirit, I think, especially since the pandemic started because all the appraisers just tucked their head and disappeared. And it's very challenging to get one to communicate with you. You know, they'll try to set an appointment, um, maybe even using a computer program. They just want you to say, yes, this is okay. Give me the code. How do I get in? No, don't meet me. Don't send me anything. I got it all under control. And to me, that, that, is diminishing the quality of the work product. So you're saying bring back the the personal contact and the communication yeah. between realtor and appraiser. Love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody wins in a scenario like that. Yeah, because I mean, typically the real estate agent has done some research to figure out the the price the price range that that property should be in. And if they have comps that would help the appraiser not have to search for them, why not share that information? The other piece of information that was really valuable to appraisers during the, this uh, ramp up in, you know, competitive bids and uh, or multiple offers on houses, when, when you could provide how many offers were received on the house prior to selecting the final one that they're appraising for and how many days uh, was were spent negotiating this, that was all data that any smart appraiser would really factor into his final opinion. For sure. And that Good. stuff's not available. That's not all available in the MLS. Well, yeah, there's there's no repository for that. That's all information that the the listing agent has. And and if they're not being asked that question, yeah, I could see that would be a gap of information. Right. Pam, what do you wish realtors knew about the appraisal process? Um well, I'm with Brenda on when I get something that was bid over $20,000 from the asking price, you know, we better dig in and write that down in our appraisal. Um, and a lot of them don't do that, but you've got to justify everything you're doing. It may not appraise, but sometimes it will. And um, anyway, I'm glad that's, we're not really having bidding wars anymore down here. Um, and Another thing is uh, trying to get uh, more people being trained. And while we were also busy, I've trained 12 appraisers. I'm, I'm done with that now in the last couple of years. But we need people that can train them and go on to them. But nobody had the time. And uh, I get three or four calls every week just saying, do you take on trainees? I just... Uh, I don't. And now we're in the spot. Nobody has worked. Just a little work. It's um, just went, you know, downhill really fast. And um, but now they won't have the money to train them because they really I know back in most of my days, it cost you at least $15 an hour to train somebody. And you can be with them for like back when I was training. Mostly you had to have 2,500 hours, you know, to get your certification. And um, let's see. I think one thing is we need, and I've done lunch and learns on this, on how to pick your comparables. And um, 
you know, to start with a circus of a half mile, a mile, and um, and some of them, I get the funniest uh, things when I say, well, send me the comps you've got, like we were talking about a little while ago. And um, they might have one, a little ranch in Springfield, and they're going to Willard, it has a, a little ranch house too, but it has basement. But they think that's a comparable. So we just really need to educate that. And I, we have done a really good job in Springfield in our lunch and learns. And um, we're getting ready to do two more um, this year. And they are learning so much. And they were so proud how we explained that. And I think, you know, when you have 100 uh, realtors at a time at a lunch and learn, they are listening and, um, you know, it's it's really made it easier for them. And, and they all have my number. I tell them anytime we're in multiple meetings or whatever else, just tell them to call me and I'll try to walk you through it. And uh, I that know. in depth of a training is hard to find in comping properties like an appraiser does. I think that would be an amazing um, CE class. Let's let's figure out how to get that path through MREC. Yeah, <laughs> yep. I think I'm I'm already working on that actually. But we didn't get our we didn't get in time to get the lunch and learn for the rest of the year. But I'm on it for January. That's for sure. But that's yeah. one of the things I think is that they need to know the most. And I we fill the room up every time we have one. So. Yeah, getting knowledge on that. I think that's one of the most important things that we do as listing and marketing agents is guiding our homeowners through a process of education where they understand where they should choose to be priced. Because at the end of the day, it's their decision what they price their home at. But it's our job as professionals to help show them the evidence and the facts of the other properties that are for sale and have sold to guide them to choose a smart price. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure your favorite topic, ladies, let's talk about appeals. Like if if we as a listing agent feel like, um, you know, a property that the appraisal comes in under value, but we have comps that were not used in the appraisal process. Give us some give us some secrets. Do you have any secrets on, on how to make an appeal process go well? Well, Brenda, you want to go first or you want me to? Doesn't you go matter. ahead, Pam. Go ahead, Pam. Well, We've had several things like that in the last few weeks, actually. And um, we have a couple of appraisers that are not doing their job. And, um, you know, in Springfield, we can usually go up to a mile first and try to find the same house. But we have one, one appraiser that, especially if it's over like Grand Street, and then it's an, it's a lesser neighborhood and he won't use anything. And those houses are bringing the same and he won't uh, use them as comparables. And uh, so there's been two uh, two realtors in the last month that they've sent it to the uh, appraisal commission. And uh, I keep telling them, you know, they, they don't have control of that. It's uh, if they give that price, that's not going to get them in trouble, the appraiser in trouble, because it's uh, it's all about how you came to get the, the solid event <laughs> at the bottom. But um, and to me, that's a little iffy because he really should be 
somebody needs to, I've tried to talk to him, but he doesn't, he knows everything. So um, anyway, right now they're turning him in to banks, not to put them on their list anymore. And, uh, but the appraisal commission can't do anything about it because it's a, it's an opinion of value and, you know, there's no way to really stop that. So. Got it. Ms. Brenda, what are your thoughts? Andrea, um, one of the things that I ran into recently on a house that I had listed, <clears throat> um, the appraiser, and I, I was allowed to see the appraisal as it came in $20,000 short, and this was in a small town close to me, um, where I was absolutely surprised that he found six comparables. But this is something I've seen evolve over the last six, seven years is that appraisers are tired of underwriters calling them up and asking them, give me another comp. Uh, you know, three has been the traditional norm of comparable sales. <laughs> so the underwriters will say, well, we need another one or we need two more. And so now most of the appraisals I see other people doing will include six comps. That's typically what I see. So when I got this appraisal from um, one of my fellow appraisers, it had six comparables, all from this teeny tiny town, and he had to reach back 18 months to get the six. So he, with all of those different adjusted values, he just took a weighted average, or actually he used an average and came in $20,000 too low. So I just called him up and very respectfully said, can you explain to me why you thought that comparable number five and comparable number six needed to be included in the array because we're in such a volatile market and both of these sales occurred 18 months ago. And if you extract those two, leave them out of the equation and just use the four comparables that that were within a tighter time frame, it hits our target price by equally averaging. And he said, let me think about it. And it wasn't 10 minutes. He sent me an email and he said, yeah, I think you're right. I've redone it and I've sent it to the bank at the sale price. Yep. Yeah. I, I think that that sometimes we're in a, as an appraiser, we're in such a rush to get the work off our desk because we have been in panic mode for three years now um, that sometimes we overkill and beat the value to death. But uh, the key is be courteous. Have your opinions well thought out. Uh, you need to start with the lender and ask if, if you can call the appraiser first so that you don't circumvent their communication. And then um, just just uh, present your opinion or additional comps if you have them are always the gold standard for that. As, as salespeople, we are, are told that appraisers... Um, rarely overturn their decision because it looks bad on their record. Is is that an actual thing if if appraisers are uh, modifying their their final determination? I personally feel like it's more just takes more time and work. I mean, time is money, and uh, the more appraisals you can get through your office on a certain day or a certain week, the higher the revenue return is. But um, as far as somebody keeping a log, well, he, John Q. Appraiser changed his value three times in the last year. That doesn't go anywhere. That's not a disparagement of their character or work product, in my opinion. Okay. Good to know. In the house that um, I just, oh, never mind. No, you go. I was going to say in the house, I was saying, 
that um, the guy wouldn't go past a half a mile for a home. Um, they put it, the people sent the complaint to the appraisal commission, but um, they put it back on the market the next week and it sold in one day and uh, it appraised over the sales price. Good, that's awesome. Um, so tell me a little bit about, uh, from, from a realtor's perspective, I hear this whole desktop appraisal versus actual appraisal. What does that mean? Oh, Andrea, I'm, this, is, <laughs> this is a hot button. I didn't know you yeah. were going to open up. Sorry, I, did just, I thought of it and I thought I'd ask you guys because I had you. <laughs> the appraisal workforce is experiencing a wave of layoffs because the mortgage lending activity is, is just so anemic. You know, there's, there's, we're all, it went from a deluge of work to a trickle of work. And so a lot of uh, appraisers are, have finally reached the point they can clean off their desk. They have time to dust. But what we're also going to see is the beginning, I think, of a drastic change in how collateral is valued in connection with mortgage loans, especially. I mean, appraisal um, appraisers probably will be doing more work on estate valuations and um, um litigation violation uh, valuations and those type of things because technology has made the collection of the data, especially the subject data, um, immeasurably faster and easier, almost to the point that large industry players are comfortable with non-appraisers and third parties following a guided prompt system to conduct the inspections. So, um, we're also seeing that the GSEs have embraced a spectrum of ways to uh, validate their collateral and the overlay of bias and discrimination that adds support for the idea that perhaps depending on one appraiser's opinion is not the best way to um, to have a product that will meet the test of non-bias. In short, uh, there simply isn't the same demand for appraisers in connection with mortgage lending as there has been historically. And the automated underwriting and desktop underwriting was one step on the way to where I think the future is going to go. More me uh, mechanized value production. Yeah. That, that'll be interesting to see um, because we know as professionals that a house cannot be um, valued with a computer screen. So if we're having our appraisals completed via um, data just from the computer, that, that doesn't give us the, the neighborhood feel and um, the demographics of like what, what amenities are in a neighborhood and how the house feels and if it's been really well lived in or not so much, oh, that, that makes it kind of scary. It, it does, but look at the GSE's point of view. Um, that one appraisal is not going to make or break their portfolio for the year. It's they'll have average, they'll, the number of appraisal results will average, average out. Some will be too high and some will be too low. And all they're concerned about is that um, the overall uh, performance of all the loans that they've made. Now, I'm not purporting this is a good thing. <laughs> it's not good for a president. It's not good for uh, the government to take such a broad, broad uh, brushstroke of um, averaging all these loans together. And But I think that is because the there's still an individual at the end of that mortgage. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
Yeah. One right, thing well, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Pam. I was going to say one thing I'm worried about is the new um, thing that they're trying now is to take realtors out to measure and take their pictures and then send them to us. And um, we won't have ever seen the house. And to me, I just don't feel like that's right. And I'm afraid our E&O insurance, I don't know what they will do. Do you, Brenda? Um, the liability of realtors. Yeah, the liability of it, because yeah. we have not been there. And, um, and with the new ANSI standards that we're under to measure a house, um, I would imagine 90% of them don't know that it has to be that way now. And that's, that's going to cause a problem, in my opinion, but... But of course, we will disclose that we didn't yeah. visually inspect the property. Right. Yep. So we're we're sending up the signal that it's not as exacting as it would have been had we been there. Right. Got it. Well, any last words that you lovely ladies have for, for anybody who's listening today um, when it comes to appraisals? Well, I hope what I've said has encouraged the membership that um, there's no appraiser that's so smart that you that your information isn't just as valid as what they're going to be working with. And uh, yes. it's, it should be a team effort. And I think if you ever were in a conversation with an appraiser and they said, I don't care what you think, you're not smart enough. Just say, <laughs> Brenda said <laughs> that an appraisal <laughs> needs to be a collaborative effort and we all, all right. need each other. Yes. That was them. my motto when I, uh, got elected MLS president. I said, we've got to do this together. We can't do it without one or the other. And I'm so proud of my board. Um, of course, I'm now past president <laughs> since last month, but um, it's brought everybody together um, a lot more than I've ever seen in my 48 years now. Uh, that They're not afraid to ask questions anymore. And uh, they know that that will answer them. And uh, I just, I love helping them. And the collaboration makes a huge difference when we can bring all the information together and be able to yeah. make educated decisions. Yeah. Well, ladies, thank you so much for today and sharing your time with us and, and sharing this great knowledge with everyone. Um, thanks for being here to listen to the Missouri Realtors podcast. We'll see you on the next episode. It was a pleasure.